Welcome in to Two for One Drafts. Austin Gale here with Mike Renner. Ready to dive into some fantastic stuff on the slate today. It's going to be like a two-piece podcast. First part, we're going to be looking at early declarations on the offensive side of the ball. Some really big names there. Some questionable names, too. Some guys that may be declared too early. Um, it's, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting group. Underclassmen's always an interesting group. You always have some stars, specifically offensive line this year. There are some really nice underclassmen that either projected to declare or have already declared for the 2020 NFL Draft. We're also going to look at the 12 most disappointing rookies mm. so far this season in the NFL. I will say this. That doesn't mean they're going to be bad players. They can obviously develop moving forward, but they fell below expectations from a first-year player, in our opinion. And I think there's a handful of names that first-round picks, second-round picks that teams are looking at other players like A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, like, man, I wish we pulled the trigger on another guy. Yes, uh, that we'll get to that a little later, but mm-hmm. kick it off with the early declarations. We were going to do mm-hmm. a little bowl preview, but 23 guys are sitting out of bowls already. 23 guys have said they're not going to the bowl game. The skipping trend is in full effect. I think we're What's your take that. on that overall? I think it's a good opportunity. I don't care. You don't care? No. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. They should. Shouldn't. You if don't you care. Think, if you feel you've put enough on tape and you want to sit out your bowl game, more power to you. Like it's, you're, it's a lot of money on that, the line. That's my game. take as well. Yeah. I, I would agree with that 100%. Let's start with the early declaration, starting with Utah State quarterback Jordan Love. He's, a, he's, a, he's an interesting player, a guy that we chugged on the Thursday podcast, I think, from last week. Mm-hmm. And I think Jordan Love has all the tools. The Raw Talent. He's gotten invited to the uh, the Senior Bowl. He'll be there down in Mobile. He's an interesting player, one with, a t- I think, a ceiling that everyone wants to see, but a floor also, given what we saw this year from Utah State, that scares people. Yes, the floor is scary because we've mentioned on the podcast before, he was top five in turnover-worthy plays in all of college football this year. Not a lot of quarterbacks get drafted highly when you're making that many mistakes with the football. Uh, he's an interesting prospect because the high end is there too, but he's so up and down and you can make those sort of excuses for him, but I don't think you want to draft a quarterback highly that you have to make this like excuse for and say, oh, you know, the talent around him wasn't great, uh, situation, the offensive line, offensive coordinator change, whatever. You, you want a guy who played well, really, you know, yeah, his yeah. last year of college football. So floored me that he declared, but I guess he, he can make himself a lot of money if he goes to the Senior Bowl and proves basically, hey, uh, I have more talent than anyone else here. I am the best quarterback here. I didn't play my best football this year, but I can get to a level that these other guys can't. So he could make I, I Like I said, I'd still take him in the second round because we've seen it before. But uh, it would terrify me if that's my first round pick and I'm putting sort of, you know, whatever comes with being a first round quarterback, the expectations, you know, that's like a three year sort of commitment teams treat it as not us. We wouldn't treat it as that, but a lot of teams do. So that's a little it'd be a little scary to me to say that with him right now where he's at in his development. The senior bowl quarterback class is very interesting. I know Jim Nagy has said that, you know, they're in contact with Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, seeing if they can get them there. But right now it's Shea Patterson, Jordan Love, Steven Montez, Anthony Gordon from Washington State. Not a ton of prolific talent. Jordan Love, I think, has an opportunity to be the best quarterback there. Yeah. I, what does a perfect senior bowl Steven Montez get an <laughs> invite? Like he's they're gonna look night and day next mm-hmm. to each other. But yeah, what does a perfect senior bowl look like for Jordan Love, though? I, I do think it's it's tough because I, I don't think decision making you can necessarily prove in like one on ones. But you can prove accuracy. You can prove how good your arm is. You can prove fundamentals that you are. Uh, and which was another question mark with him is he'll just have throws where uh, he doesn't get his feet set, uses his arm too much, relies on that arm talent uh, a lot. So if you're you know if his fundamentals are down and solid, you know rep after rep in the you know against air or against you know one on ones and in the practice session. 
questions. I do think he can uh, really improve uh, his draft stock from that perspective. The decision-making thing, I think it's still going to linger. It's still going to follow him. You're not going to prove that in a sort of practice setting. Let's move off the position. Let's go to running back. And this list, courtesy, you can see it in the ticker if you are watching live on YouTube, courtesy of The Athletic. Uh, Dame Brugler putting this list together. It's a very, very interesting list. I think that will build as we move forward. Let's go to running back Cam Akers of Florida State. 74 broken tackles this year, the sixth most in college football. And if you dive deeper into the data, you see, if you talk, you pop on the tape, the eye test tells you that offensive line isn't good. He's constantly <laughs> hitting the backfield. And then you look at the analytics. This guy's hit in the backfield at or behind the line of scrimmage at a higher percentage than any other running back in the power five cam Akers is as has had an insane supporting cast from an offensive line standpoint to a point where it's hard to evaluate what he can do if you're looking purely at yards per carry and rushing production for cam Akers, you're doing it wrong yeah. look at what he can do in a situation that is as terrible as it was with florida state i think he has an opportunity to surprise people in this class yeah because he is athletically he's going to go to the combine and be you know among the best running backs testing wise there uh in indy uh he, like you mentioned, had six most broken tackles in all of college football, had the sixth worth run blocking offensive line in all of college football. So that's how you get to the 4.9 yards per carry figure that he was at this year, which doesn't look good. But I do think he made a lot out of nothing a lot of times, but he also put some of that on himself. He does not have good vision. He missed a lot of holes. Uh, so I do think that's the biggest knock on him is he has not a lot of guys have bad vision. Some Not a lot of guys have good vision. Usually vision is kind of like one of those things where Eh, you just assume they'll be all right at at least at the next level. He, it's a real question mark for him. I go back to even uh, there was a hole in the Clemson game. This was last year that was just gaping for a backside cutback, and he uh, he just likes to bounce out a little too much and, and was not willing to hit holes through the middle of the line of scrimmage. So uh, that's a worry for me, especially projecting from college to the NFL. Like I said, uh, maybe not for him. It only gets harder, but for a lot of other guys, it'll get harder. So. Uh, I, I still like the physical tools there, but the vision is a concern. Where does vision stand for you in the priorities for a running back prospect? Because obviously can't coach it's athleticism, low. can't coach these like you know, superior yeah. traits like a Saquon Barkley-level traits. But with vision, though, if you have bad vision, it can, it can screw you. Exactly. It's, it's like Saquon Barkley didn't have – I didn't like Saquon Barkley's vision coming out either. And I think we're seeing some of that this year uh, more – uh, and sort of his down-to-down consistency is what it affects, but you can still be an impact player. If you get the ball in space, which is you know how you should be using running backs nowadays, it, the, your sort of the natural ability is what matters the most. So uh, I do still think as a mid-round, you know, fourth-round type of guy, he'd be a home run sort of pick. Cam Akers gained 904 of his 1,142 yards after contact. Such a high percentage for a running back. You yeah. don't see that often. That is, a, again, a product of him running behind one of the worst offensive lines in college football. Let's go to the next running back here, Eno, Eno Benjamin of Arizona State, a bruiser, a guy that brings some physicality to the game. He, he can also force missed tackles at a high level as well. An underclassman in this class. You know, how would you compare him to the NFL? Is there an NFL player that he kind of reminds you of? He reminds me a lot of sort of the LaShawn McCoy, Devin Singletary. He's got a fantastic jump cut. He'll break tackles by making you not even touch him. That's, that's how he breaks his tackles. He is just so sudden with the ball in his hands, but also he's so unwilling to get north and south, I feel like. That's what worries me. He falls to me on that sort of spectrum of those type of running backs closer to the Paul Perkins of the world. Oh, and no. Paul Perkins coming out of UCLA had some real so nice many runs. Force missed tackles. Ton of missed tackles, ton of broken tackles, but he just didn't have that ability to put the foot in the ground, drive upfield, uh, and then break a tackle that way. He had to shake you laterally. I, I, don't, I see a similar sort of thing with Benjamin at 5'10", 201. He's on the small side for an every down running back. I, I'm not sure he's necessarily going to... Uh, 
I think he's going to be more of a gimmick third down, uh, you know, get the ball in his hands uh, away from the field, sort of like a Tariq Cohen-esque sort of player where you're not going to you're not going to run him, you know, 20 times a game. You'll give him five carries. and Maybe you expect one of those to hit for, you know, 15, 20. That's the type of running back he's going to be. What separates, you know, LaShawn McCoy from a Paul Perkins? What is that factor that kind of like that, you know, because the ceiling floor, what is this? What's the difference? I mean, LaShawn McCoy, though, is just another level in terms of that, agility and those mm-hmm. the jump cuts he hits no one has that sort of just no one has that like he, yeah. he's making nfl players uh you know whiff in their tracks sort of like lamar jackson what separates lamar jackson from uh you know kyla murray in terms of athletic? like they're both freak athletes lamar jackson just on another level yeah and some of the other, other mm-hmm. guys like that's just what it is Interesting. Let's go to A.J. Dillon, Boston College running back. He's also declaring for the 2020 NFL Draft. A big bruiser. I'm pretty sure he's listed at 250 pounds, but he's also rock solid. Dude's like not a fat boy. The guy is yeah. jacked, and I think he lowers his shoulder. He run, he can run north-south and does that well. The problem is, though, is him going left to right isn't as good as some of these other running backs. Yeah, him, once he gets up to speed north-south, it's only going north-south. Mm-hmm. And if he tries to go east-west, all of a sudden uh, bad things happen. But, yeah, he is – I mean, he's – I call him poor man's Leonard Fournette. Like mm-hmm. that's the type of runner you're gonna get. Which poor man's Leonard Fournette. I know, oh, right? Man, that's, that's just rough. that's just not that's just not where the NFL game's going. Mm-hmm. And I I don't think that's even the ideal back for even like goal line situations because you have to have a little more. Uh, like he just he has to get up to full speed to sort of you know be effective, uh, and, and so he starts sprinting pretty early behind the line of scrimmage but if if he has to come to a stop or like he has to stop his patter's feet at all it's over like that Mm -hmm. he's not gonna break tackle he's gonna get stopped in his tracks i I just don't feel like he is you know where the like i said where the game's going is about 15 20 years too late i think i agree with you in that the the nfl is just training in a different direction you want these sudden athletes that Mm -hmm. when you get the ball to them in space they can make plays leonard fournette in space isn't a huge threat compared to some of these other running backs in the nfl right now that have more athleticism that are more a bit more agile and more sudden uh kylan hill mississippi state another guy bowling ball of butcher knives i think he has a couple games every year where you're really impressed with his broken tackle ability but there are some reservations with his game he's a little bit inconsistent in that regard talk to me about him he he just runs kind of high and so for his broken tackle numbers like you mentioned like he'll have games where it breaks a ton and then i just think he gets chopped down a little too easily running high not a good thing to do uh, once you get to the nfl and, and he looks to bounce out a lot as well so those are two things that i'm not sure i love when projected to the nfl to me he's a pretty much a late round or sixth seventh round type of guy mm-hmm. at this point for me but i mean if you're going to get drafted at the running back position you declare like you, you you the time is ticking the clock is ticking if you're a running back i don't blame any of these guys for coming out early Let's go to Anthony McFarland, the Maryland back, number five for them. Five foot eight, 193 pounds, finished the year with a 70.3 overall grade across 114 carries. Had some wow games early in the year, kind of like all of Maryland, and then really fell flat a little bit down the stretch here. Talk to me about McFarland. So McFarland runs really hard. He's undersized, like I said, 5'8, 193, but he, he plays a lot bigger than that. Like you would, he could carry an every down sort of load at the NFL level. Uh, I, I just don't see special in terms of athleticism. Even broken tackle numbers weren't anything great. 28 this year, 28 last year. On a, so 56 total over 245 carries. That's not That's not great. That's not great. That's not a great He's also number. got a pretty low yards after contact per attempt average there. Yeah. That you would expect uh, this hard runner, this physical guy. You need to be in the upper three fives, you know, four range. I do feel like 
running backs though with dreads are perceived to run harder just because mm-hmm. it looks like they're yeah, like they're like violent. they move their head and like the dreads shake back and forth and like damn they're run- just kind of like how so you're telling me Mary like, defense, Barber like defensive linemen with long hair like clay matthews chase winovich you're like oh high motor guy mm-hmm. like oh you see the hair flying around wow i think it's a similar thing with running backs with dreads like you're just like oh wow that what, but just hair hard. in general it doesn't even have to be dreads. or even like ha- yeah. hair in general in the back yeah it just makes you look like you're working harder wow yeah it's interesting take i really i kind of like it to be honest i kind of like it i mean i think it's true all right well that, that, that sums up your anthony mcfarland <laughs> that's anthony mcfarland though um let's go to javon leak also another running back in this class if i if i were to choose between the two maryland running backs so javon leak maryland anthony mcfarland maryland i'd probably go javon leak I, I don't love either of them mm-hmm. but leak has better size six foot two ten uh, I, I think he was more willing to get north south on his runs and had a little more just just Make you miss, and I think will translate to the NFL level. Like so this season, 32 broken tackles on a, only 103 carries, uh, 4.88 yards after contact per attempt. He only has 146 carries in his entire college career. But like I said, you're running back. Get it while it's hot. Like get out there as soon as your name uh, is even on, possibly on mm-hmm. the board. So I, I do think uh, he's draftable. But again, sixth, seventh round type of guy. I, I don't see you know top end speed. I don't see stuff like that. And you know, like I said, only the broken tackles are just good, not anything special. To be fair, though, you get this guy in the sixth, seventh round. There's a chance with the right opportunity that he's having similar production to guys that are drafted in the first round. With how just just how replaceable this position is, you know what I mean? So 4.88 uh, yards after contact per attempt for Javon Leak, a lot better than what McFarland was doing. Mm-hmm. He also has an 87.0 rushing grade on his 103 attempts. Um, a little bit better grade production there. Let's go and head and take us to JJ Taylor. Talk about small, Dude. five foot eight, hundred and eighty-five pounds, He's Arizona. Awesome to watch. <laughs> I mean, watching him do his five six run the rock is great. And he had a legit truck stick in the Washington game. He puts his he will lower his pads and try to deliver a blow. He's not you know, he's not always trying to shake it. He's not Darren Sproles. This guy actually is a is a every down sort of running back in that Arizona offense. I'm not. I just. I don't know what you do though mm-hmm. with the five six one eighty five. I don't know what that's they said. Gonna... The same thing about Tariq Cohen though. Okay. And Tariq but, Cohen's but very I mean, similar size. Tariq Cohen's different in terms of like the usage. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just saying. I'm not sure what you do with him. That's not like Tariq Cohen. Like, mm-hmm. can you give him? Can you make him your every down running back? So I'm saying at five six one eighty five. Like that's stacked for a dude who's five six. Mm-hmm. You see a dude who's five six one eighty five at the gym. You're like, holy shit! Like he looks like <laughs> a brick. Like that. That is that's pretty jacked. But like 185 is still small. Like mm-hmm. the NFL, that's cornerback. Like cornerbacks are taking you. Down. I mean, so I don't you look know. at you're looking at Tariq Cohen coming out, five like. foot six, 181 pounds. Yeah. So I mean, not not I mean, but, similar frame. Both yeah. those guys are rocked up. I think you have to get creative with his usage, and I think JJ Taylor would welcome the idea too of taking yeah. on a Tariq Cohen role where he still gets involved between the tackles. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he gets obviously there's a lot of his games on special teams and swing passes and things like that, but you can still get him involved in between the tackles. I just don't think. I, so here's my take. I have a take here. Mm-hmm. You know, listening to some other scouts and other or other draft pundits here and there. You talk about this running back's a great running back. He's the guy that you can give the ball 20, 25 times a game. Is that a positive thing? I don't yeah. know if that's a positive thing. Like, I don't want a running back that, oh, great, I can give him it 20, 20 to 25. I don't think I'm giving any running back yeah. 20 to 25 carries a game. I want a guy that can be a difference maker per touch. Mm-hmm. I think Tariq Cohen's that, and if J.J. Taylor, the same way. I, I have a similar take in terms of when they talk about, like, a third down running back, oh, mm-hmm. we can pick up, you know, in pass pro. It's like, I don't want my – 
best, you know, one of my best athletes taking shots in pass pro. Yeah. Like, I don't want him getting hurt while he's doing pass protection. Like, I don't, I don't want that to be the case. I want him catching, I want the ball in his hands if he's that good yeah. as a running back. So, With, I mean, I think there are certain smaller tight ends that might do better in pass pro if brought back into an yeah. H back and shotgun if no, you want I to mean, get, yeah. if you want to bring in a third down back that's sitting, you know, uh, horizontal or Just put in another offensive lineman. Exactly. Or not an <laughs> offensive lineman, but maybe a tight end or some sort. George Fant. With the running back position, again, I think we have to get away from positively talking about a player and that he can carry the ball 20, 25 times yeah. a game. Because, like, you don't want to do that as an offense. Yeah. You want to throw the football. You want to get him involved in space and all mm-hmm. those kinds of things. So I think J.J. Taylor, the where the NFL is talking about where the NFL is going, this is a guy at five foot six, 185. I'm not scared of it. If, I, he, if he can mm-hmm. you know, force his tackles and get, make plays in space, I'm ready to roll with him. Great. Speaking of a guy that can get make plays in space here, Colorado wide receiver LaVisca Chenault. We had him on the podcast. Very fun dude. His favorite route to run is the direct snap and Wildcat. <laughs> yeah, that type of what player he is. And talk about a guy that he has great size, though. He, he's a rocked up six foot two. And I think he's a guy you want to get creative with what he can do. I think he's going to be a, uh, someone who can play outside receiver slot, all these different things. Yeah, let's say, if we, so we just went through all the early declarations at running back. If he was in that group, he would be far and away the best running back. Absolutely. Of that he is. That's the type of player he is. Number 13 on our latest draft board. Uh, I, I just think he's, I, I don't think he's a policy wide receiver. I don't think he's Jerry Judy. I don't think he's CeeDee Lamb right now. I think he is, though, like we've talked about, the way the NFL is going mm-hmm. in terms of he's fast. I think he's going to run in the 4-4s at least. Uh, I think he's you know, just a guy where if you get the ball in his hands, I don't care how you do it, I don't care where you do it, good things are going to happen. Uh, I do worry about the injuries and the fact that they've kind of piled up, uh, but he still has been effective this year with those. Uh, he's just a special. Like you, one of the guys you flip on the tape, and it looks just different. I mm-hmm. remember last year talking with Zach Robinson who, when he was in the office. He's like, "Do you see this Colorado guy?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Oh, he broke eight tackles or something on like mm-hmm. nine catches yesterday." I'm like, "Oh uh, no!" Watch like the first play and just the way he got up field in the blink of an eye. You're like, "That's different than you see normally." So Lavisca, I still you'll f- find a role for him. Get creative. Get an off creative offense coordinator. Put him with creative offense coordinator good thing is going to happen. And, and with those injuries, comment on that, when we talked to him, we brought those up and asked about his usage because he kind of went from, in the year prior, 2018, a very versatile piece, slot, outside, yeah. backfield they, and stuff. They, they had him going like, they just feed him on screens underneath. Like, exactly. But this year, he's time. almost been playing exclusively outside receiver, and he said it's all because of the injuries. He's had two or three surgeries, yeah. a, a abdominal, lower leg, all the back, I'm pretty sure. There's a ton of injuries mm-hmm. he's gone through that Colorado has said, you're going to play exclusively wide, outside wide receiver. So I think that's something interesting that evaluators have to look at. LaVisca isn't playing outside receiver for, you know, no reason. He's playing it because of injuries. I think in the NFL, fully healthy, he's this guy that's in the backfield constantly doing these different crazy things to get him the football because yeah. he's so good after the catch. Forces missed tackles with reckless abandon. Very quick. Mm-hmm. A big play waiting to happen at six foot two, rocked up, I think is pretty impressive. Jalen Rieger of TCU, a guy that we hoped would return to school because he wanted to see some more collegiate production from him. He didn't have a great, you know, exploding year that we thought he could have had this this season. But again, a very good athlete, a guy that can get deep down the football field to make plays. Yeah, I mean, he he separates and he gets open where you want to get open down the football field. Legit four three, low four three speed, forty inch vertical. Like he's just explosive off the charts. Uh, there's some worries about his catch radius. It, you know, adjusting the balls outside his frame wasn't great at. But I do just think that you can't teach his skill set. And that skill set's where the NFL is, where you want in the NFL today. So I do, I do think he's almost getting 
we're almost swung too far the other way in terms of after being high on them this year in terms and then saying oh you know down year production drops down our board I'm, I'm still taking them if i'm a wide receiver needy team and i'm picking around 20 it'd still be one to take them i, I think it's that sort of talent wow and that speaks to just largely like I think the the best comment you made there is that he gets open at the areas of the field you want to get open in the NFL, mm-hmm. the intermediate and deep levels of the field. The valuable runs routes in the NFL, he runs those very well, creates separation on those, and I think that is going to translate in the NFL. I think that's what you have to value, not so much his receiving yards or any of those things. You have to look at where does he create separation, where does he win, and I'll take a guy that wins like that more than I will take other guys that win on screens and other things um, in that regard. Let's go to Gabriel Davis of UCF. This isn't this is an interesting guy, six foot three, two hundred twelve pounds. Had some success deep down the football field this past season, but not a ton of special traits with him. What's your take overall? Yeah, I'm surprised he declared because it looked like he had sort of this good connection with uh, Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback there, the freshman quarterback. That you know, if he stays one more year, they could have had like he could have had a monster, you know, fifteen hundred, sixteen hundred yards sort of year. Uh, so he declares. Did have I mean he had a pretty good year himself this year over twelve hundred yards, but I just think that the route tree he ran and where like they had a lot of success was basically just go balls, and then you know contested catches that just heaving it up over you know worse cornerbacks over bad cornerbacks that UCF is playing there. So I do think that there, there's a limited it's just like the projection of his game right now isn't great even though he had big numbers, uh, and then when he was in those contested situations he was not necessarily dominant he only went 11 of 30 on the year mm. it's a bad rate for a guy for six who, for three for yeah for that's where he's you know supposedly should win uh, that's the type of receiver he looks to be at the next level I, I he he to me reminds me of kind of when Baylor was pumping out receivers that would go 1300 yards every year and then come draft time they're like oh why are they not good in the NFL well, it's because they're not doing any of the things you're like actually supposed to be doing once you get to the NFL that to me is kind of like Gabriel Davis and the routes he ran there at UCF Let's go to one of my favorite players in the draft. Yes. Kentucky, Lynn Bowden. You look at his receiving stats. Dude, the dude fell off. The dude <laughs> fell off this year. No. The injuries at quarterback force this dude to play quarterback at Kentucky, which is insane. I think he, he sacrificed a lot in that regard because I think if a capable quarterback is under center at Kentucky, he catches a lot of footballs and people uh-huh. start to really regard him as a good slot receiver at the next level. Instead, he takes over at quarterback and absolutely lights it on fire. Dude forced 44 missed tackles on 137 attempts at quarterback i'm really impressed with this kid against louisville 12 force missed tackles on 21 attempts those are games you see from not even the best running backs in this class i think he's a very interesting player selfless player six foot one 200 pounds i'm really impressed with this guy i liked him going in awesome i thought he could be the slot receiver type that was great now you see him play quarterback i'm all for it i really do like this guy yeah he is a what's a good comp for him greg ward no i'm just just kidding (laughs) he he just he is very elusive after the cat like he he has that that's that's 100 fact (laughs) that innate ability of just like uh just you can't really teach of feeling where the defense defender is uh and then making them miss after the catch he had 11 broken tackles as a receiver this year Mm -hmm. on 30 catches which is a crazy rate to begin with and then 44 more on the ground (laughs) on 137 carries these are dumb numbers i'm telling you these are stupid numbers you're not supposed to be doing this at quarterback or receiver i think and i say this you know from the beginning i was saying you know he had an opportunity to play wide receiver really boost his stock in that regard but him playing quarterback almost impressed me more because how much he's able to force missed tackles and gain yards after contact this guy's a legit threat with the ball in his hand yeah 
Yeah, he's he's probably a slot receiver at the next level. Like that, that's where he's going to be. He's not going to be a quarterback. If uh, you maybe exclusively play him in the slot, though, you are making a mistake. But uh, yeah, I think he's just a chess piece then, similar mm-hmm. to a Lavisca Chanel. D- definitely not that level athletically, I'd say. But he he's a fun player. He's a better version of. If you're going to have a gimmicky player, he, mm-hmm. he's a lot better option than someone like a, a Paris Campbell last year was, in my opinion, in terms of you don't want that guy to be straight line speed. You're, mm-hmm. you're a gimmick guy that you throw screens to. You want him to make people miss. You want him to be elusive out in space and have that uh, almost running back-esque ability. Lynn Bowden obviously showed he had that. Where do you start to feel comfortable to take a guy like Lynn Bowden? Ah, because it's it's it depends on the evaluation. It, it, yeah. it depends on where you are as, as a roster. You have two good wide receivers. Say you're like the Minnesota Vikings. You have two good wide receivers. I'd take him in the third. All of a sudden, you have a really dynamic receiving core then at that point. Uh, I, I think late third fourth mm-hmm. round is where Bowden Dude, get him sense. get him involved in like a Taysom Hill type of role because I get yeah. he could be a better Taysom Hill yeah. in my opinion no, he, it, he would be a way better definitely. way more athletic it can actually create separation as a receiver like mm-hmm. it'd be an interesting role of some like a creative offensive play caller which all offensive play callers need to be as the NFL gets more advanced I, I will I, say I would be interested he had a 34.3 passing grade no okay <laughs> yeah but there was one of those games I think it was uh, Kentucky versus Georgia where it was like some the biggest most rain I've ever seen and, like, okay it, yeah it, he went to a 50 in that game. <laughs> th- th- yeah, that, that game was insane. Like that, the, the weather matters. Okay, yeah. weather matters. But to, to put a pin on Limbo and Jeter, a super fun player, a guy that I, I mean, on day two, I start to feel maybe not second round, but third, yeah. fourth round, I start to feel comfortable. And I think you get excited about creating packages for this kid because you think mm-hmm. he's really, really impressive with the ball in his hands. Let's go to Katie Nixon back to Colorado. I'm pretty sure close friends with Lavisca Chenault when we did talk to him. He's got some decent speed. W- w- where are you at with him as a player? Yeah. So I feel like there's. A handful of guys every year that declare for the draft, and you're just like, "What the hell?" Like, mm-hmm. did they? You almost have to ask, like, did they just like stop going to class and like realize they weren't going to be eligible or whatever? Not, I, not wait, putting this on Nixon. Forty-one minutes ago, Katie Nixon changes his mind. He's returning to his senior year. Oh, good. We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> so, but you, you were jumping on the fact that you, you, you don't know why he returned. Yeah. Declared. Here's my take. I mean, I don't know how much is involved. With a lot of it's speculation, but I think Katie originally. LaVisca's going to the NFL. I'm going to the Bring NFL. They, they've been there yeah. together for since high school. Yeah. They're close friends. They talk about I'm number two, he's number three, and that's how it really went. I think that's a close bond that they do have. But, but yeah, I he's think, just not yeah. that good. But now, like now that he has an opportunity drafted. at Colorado, I think he could be this top yeah. guy. Steven Montez is leaving, though. There's there's different factors there. But I mean, I'm, Montez wasn't. Hey, he's going to the senior bowl, damn it. Don't be hating on Montez here. Let's go to the the next guy. It's interesting yeah. that he's uh, we got that little thing there. Yeah. Um, you're welcome. You're welcome, listeners. Isaiah Hodgins. <laughs> Let's talk about Isaiah Hodgins, a bigger receiver, a guy that you want to see win contested catch situations, which he does yeah. not at a great rate, but I think it does at a good enough rate to be a player in the NFL. The problem is, though, is I steer away from these big guys that can't create separation. I steer away from these guys that aren't, you know, elite separators. Well, not, but he's not big though. He's tall. Mm-hmm. I, I steer away from the tall guys who are not put together mm-hmm. because that. Uh, who was the Texas Tech? Antoine Wesley last year. Yes. You're just not gonna. You're gonna get a, a corn, NFL cornerbacks. You're not gonna get away from them if you're big and if you're tall and skinny. Mm-hmm. You, 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 Robbie Anderson. Counterpoint. You, you have to be Fast. four three. Yes. Four, he ran what four three seven. You have to be that level of athlete. You have to be freakishly athletic to get away from them because not a lot of tall guys. You just lose that uh, agility. If when you're tall, skinny, you are, and slow, it's going to be hard to win in the NFL. Yes, you just lose that agility. It's why point guards in the NBA are mostly shorter because mm-hmm. you have to be quicker. Uh, you know that quickness wow. matters. 
uh, being able to get past, uh, you know, defenders and that sort of thing. And it's the same at wide receiver. I just don't see him being able to get off press. He has exceptional ball skills, like some of the best in the entire class. One drop on 87 catchable this year, three drops on 179 his entire career. Ridiculously good ball skills, very good at the catch point. Uh, you know, probably you could take him in like the sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh and be like, hey, use him in the red zone sort of thing. Because uh, he. Okay, but do away with that, that too, though. Like, but red that's, zone, I know, it's yeah, not, it's exactly, not red zone receivers. It's not like, exactly you what you want. You don't need big receivers to win in the red zone. Yeah. You need guys that can get open. That's but it. But he, he really is just going to struggle to get open, in my opinion. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. It's hard, it's hard to really, you know, get excited about a player in, on day two. Uh, 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 that can't create separation, that can't get open yeah. in the NFL compared to some of these other guys that can either be chess pieces or actually create separation but aren't as big. Sure. You know, let's go to uh, Jeff Thomas, Miami, Florida, um, five foot ten, 180 pounds, slot receiver, interesting player. What, you know, what's your take on him? Yeah, he's another guy who he had 379 yards this year. Like, it seems like he had his mind up to, that he was declaring before the year even started. Had 563 a year ago. I, I just, he's fine. I mean, he's he's a, he's fairly athletic, fairly sudden. And I, I didn't see anything special, though. I didn't see anything that made me get too excited about that. I'd be like, "Hey, leave early for leave early and go to the draft." Like he has not only is he just leaving very, early, he's not playing in the bowl game he, either. He has, put, he has put enough on tape in his opinion. Like he won't he won't go till day three if he goes at all. Mm -hmm. He just I don't know. It's not that great. That's unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Let's go to tight end here. One of my favorites, Hunter Bryant. Washington, yes, interesting player. I think he smart definitely, him to yeah, declare. smart for him to declare. He he could be the first tight end off the board. Very, I'd say, I'd say almost likely at this point. Uh, similar to Irv Smith last year in terms of size, speed, athleticism. I think he's better than Irv Smith to be honest. Uh, he's been more productive. Fifty-two catches this year, eight hundred twenty-five yards. Uh, he's. I really want to see if he actually checks in at 240 that he's listed at. Dude, he's listed at 239. Okay, it's, 239. It's, <laughs> Still not even 240, but he's he just doesn't look. He looks like a wide receiver, and he moves like a wide receiver, which is good if you're going to look like the a wide Evan receiver. Evan Ingram comp for Hunter Bryant is just too easy, in yeah, my opinion. It really it's too is. They look, they're very athletic. He's a move tight end. I like that mm -hmm. term, move tight end, and that he plays a lot more in the slot than he will in line. And I think you made a great point. You come out in 11 personnel with Hunter Bryant, you're not treating it like uh, like a true 11 personnel. It's more like 10. Because yeah. this guy's playing slot receiver. Not a, you know, I don't. It's not necessarily not a great blocker, but he's not going to be a guy that scares people in the yeah. NFL uh, playing inline tight end. I think he's a guy that moved into the slot, becomes this big slot that is kind of trending in the yeah. NFL. And then, and then for that reason, I'm not asking him to get up to 250. I'm not mm -hmm. asking him to put on weight there. It's like, dude, stop playing tight end. Let's move you as a, like kind yeah. of this bigger slot. Well, kind of how play. the the Rams use their tight ends the way I would yes. use tight ends in terms of they bring him across formation. Rarely are they ever being like, hey, block inline this. Mm -hmm. 280 pound D end. But it's just putting your players at a disadvantage. You ask Gerald Everett and Tyre Higby to have that role in your offense, you're making mistakes. A big part of this, and we've talked about this before too, offensive play callers, in addition to play design and creating great plays, you need to put your players in a position to succeed. That involves putting them in a position to where their strengths are highlighted and their mm -hmm. weaknesses aren't. And the way you highlight a weakness with Hunter Bryant is you put him at inline tight end and ask him to chop down yeah. and, and make these blocks. So yeah, it's not going to be for everybody. Like mm -hmm. Some teams still need that but mm -hmm. but his receiving skills trumps in our opinion all right let's go to albert o missouri tight end i'm not going to get into that last name we've fought over how it's pronounced i'm not going into it albert o is a guy that when you when you were first you know before the season started jared pinckney albert o were two tight ends that kind of stood out uh not to you but i, I two, stood out two, in, the, yeah. in the top two but you did not like albert so, o as much as you like pinckney i just don't think he's anything special as a route runner inline speed isn't 
fine. Uh, probably like high four sixes, maybe a four seven, which is like you can get away. That's good enough at the tight end position for sure. Uh, been productive over the course of his career in the red zone, 23 touchdowns. But uh, his production kind of dropped off a cliff without Drew Locke. I, I think Drew Locke really looked for him in that offense last year. Only 26 catches, 306 yards this year. He's just fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, like uh, He's not going to get me too excited to where it's just like if I need tight end. And he's also not like a great inline blocker either. The It'll, yards after the catch numbers scare size. me with him. Yeah, he's just he's not dyna- dynamic, mm-hmm. I'd say. Like he has straight line speed is probably his best attribute. And he's not that fast. So that's unfortunate. Six yeah, foot five, two hundred fifty five pounds. But he does adjust the balls well in the red zone. So I one thing I will say, like mm-hmm. he had some back shoulders, that sort of thing. That he was, he can he can do that. Like an old man's Kyle Rudolph in that sense. <laughs> so you're good in the red zone, but really can't do much. Or Jason Witten, Rud- maybe? Or? No, he's faster than those guys. Okay. I don't know what's the good comp from. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Let's go to the next guy. South Carolina's Kyle Markway. Interesting player. Not on a ton of radars, I'll be honest. I mean, this it's not one. a guy we've scouted in depth at all, really. But um, looking at him, I think, with that being said, why? why what, what do you see in this player overall? Dude, he, he's slow. Mm-hmm. was the first thing I saw. Then I'm just like... There was a guy, so he's he's on the line of scrimmage on one side for South Carolina's offense. There's a wide receiver up at the top of the screen jogging his route. Markway's um. like huffing it, dude. Dude who's like dude who's half in his route uh, gets gets ten yards downfield faster than Markway Damn. did. I was like, whoa. He has 37 catches in his career. Yeah, five I, yards after the catch per reception. I mean, he did have a breakout year. He didn't have you know he had like 110 yards all in his career going into this year. 349 this this year. But it's slow. I don't know what you're going to do with that. Like, slow to me it is a non-starter. I, I, you just yeah. you need to be fast in today. He's not even that like big, if you're too. I mean, if you look at this tight end, yeah. he's like a blocker at the next level. He's not a huge dude that yeah. um, you can get really involved in. His blocking grades so. aren't great. Pass blocking, terrible. Run blocking, not where you want him to be. I think it's an interesting player. I think, you know, declaring this early at the tight end, I, I, I need to do a Katie Nixon Google search to make sure get, if he didn't turn his head there. I but, was um, say, it, it's like... Did he stop going to class? Like, it makes you wonder. It's like, mm-hmm. did he just like, I don't know. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving off Kyle Markway here. Let's go to the offensive tackle class. Start with a gem, an absolute gem. Guy who's going to be in the first round for sure. Andrew Top Thomas 10. of Georgia. This dude is special. A special athlete. One of several in this op- you know, this underclassman offensive line class. I think it's going to really be building blocks in the NFL. Guy, yeah. in the NFL right now is lacks tackle talent. And Andrew Thomas is one of those guys that I think immediately improves that. Yes, I, I love Andrew Thomas. I don't think he's a perfect prospect by any means, but I think you'll get, you'll make the necessary adjustments to get to where you know to be a quality tackle in the NFL. Because a lot of what it takes to be a quality tackle in the NFL is purely can can you move enough? Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of guys that can move like the way Andrew Thomas does. And then it, if you can move that, if you have feet, if you can move as quickly as he does, if you're as, as powerful as he is. The technique will come. He just has to learn the technique. And, and the guy who's shown that he's getting better every single year already at that, 68.4 grade as a rookie, as a freshman, 80.6 grade as a sophomore, 92.4 grade this year. That's the trend you like to see. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's improving every single year. Uh, it'll be the, still haven't decided who, for sure who our number one tackle is going to be in this draft class. All I know is he will be a top 10 player on our board.
Let's go to Mekki Becton, Louisville, uh, Louisville offensive tackle. Big dude, six foot seven, 370 pounds. He's also kind of nasty. You watch the tape, man. This guy throws some people around. He, he's, a, he's a mean dude. And I think, you know, it's hard. We don't value that. I understand that finishing is a little bit overrated in offensive <laughs> line Twitter. But it, it does get me excited. You know, watching a player kind of the way he bullies people, both in pass protection and as a yeah. run blocker, is very impressive. And I think at that size, and he's not, he's not a bad mover, in my opinion. I think he can still move pretty well. I, I'm impressed with Mekki Becton. And I'm ready to yeah. bring him on the offensive line and improve the manliness the, of this thing right now. <laughs> the, uh, the Trent Brown comp writes itself. I mean, it's oh, very yes. obvious uh, because he's just he's just so damn big. Like, mm-hmm. he, he's about <laughs> as big as, he, as you'll see an offensive lineman yeah. uh, anywhere. And he can move. Like, he can actually move at that size. I'm curious to see where he checks in at once he comes to the combine because – Truthfully, there's really no reason to be 370. Like, if you're 350, you're still going to be absolutely enormous compared to every guy you're going up against. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if he cut some weight. Uh, but I-, I think he could hold up at tackle at that size. He- it could get ugly at times. I, never- I don't think he's going to be necessarily a plus pass protector. He's- you saw it even at times of this. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to have the foot speed, foot speed excuse me, at 370. But he makes up for it with uh, just having such a – egregiously large wingspan Mm -hmm. and just being able to kind of get a paw on you that'll stop you in your tracks no matter where you are so i like becton uh definitely guy moved up our board a lot this year because Last year, he looked lost uh, in that Louisville offense, made huge strides over the course of the season. So that's where I see him as the biggest the opportunity to get better. And I think, I, I, and I looked at it as an offensive, you know, mm-hmm. trying to evaluate offensive linemen. A guy that maybe looks lost in the system is maybe taking false steps, and some of the technical stuff yeah. isn't there for him. But he's that big, that dominant, and could be a legit mover at the NFL. I think he's the guy you coach him up, and he becomes a Trent Brown. He becomes mm-hmm. a guy that can play in the NFL for a long time. Yeah, as I say, he's day two right now, but honestly, if, if he goes to the combine and is lighter and tests well at that weight, I, I could I could see him joining sort of the top of the stack class. I think I'd be also interested, and in, I know you hate to bring this up, but you got to interview this guy. Mm-hmm. See where he wants to go, see how much he wants to, you know, obviously he wants to get How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? But I think also kind of get an understanding of like how much he's developed, what he still wants to learn, what mm-hmm. he still needs to get better at. Because I think there's there's opportunities there. You talk to, you know, when you're talking to Dane Brugler about um, the Houston guy, Josh Jones, like he had four different offensive line coaches yeah. in four years. He has not been consistently taught technique. It's one thing, then the next. Like that's a problem. That's yeah. something that for position that technique is so important like offensive line you have mixed coaching or something that where they're not teaching you the right way you're going to look bad on tape hopefully when you get in the nfl you're big enough athletic enough to be a legit starter mm-hmm. in the nfl some technique improvements here and there next thing you know you are worthy of a high day two pick maybe low day one mm-hmm. i hate saying day one it's round one there's only round one fucking one. round yeah. there's no such, stop saying day one you idiot <laughs> day right. one it works Isaiah Wilson, Georgia. Uh, talk about different, you know, Andrew Thomas, Mackie Beckton get you excited. Isaiah Wilson, uh, he's not a guy that's been on our radar too high recently. Yeah, he. so he is actually in sort of that large tackle, like in, in the Beckton, he's 6'7", 340, like this dude is enormous. But even like his like anchor and his power was a concern to me. Like he, he lost some bull, like he got bull rushed at times. He's like, you should think a guy who's 340 probably shouldn't be getting bull rushed. Yeah. Uh, and he has obviously at that size, some pretty damning concerns about his foot speed, uh, was str- struggled to recover to stunts and that sort of thing. Uh, in that, you know, in pass protection, I, I just don't know. Like I, I can see why you declare early. Like if he probably is still a day three guy, but 
that's about it at this point. He, uh, he doesn't get me near Great, as Graded as really as well in pass protection, 84.6 pass blocking grade for Isaiah Wilson. Run blocking, a little bit of a step back for a guy. With run blocking, though, it, it, you need to be more than just big. You, you need to be athletic. Exactly. You need like, to get moving here. You, you can't... Uh, you still like guys are still athletic, still quick in a phone booth at the NFL level. Like you blocking Von Miller, he's not going to let you touch him uh, if you don't have the foot speed. You can't just he's not just going to engage you that sort of thing. So uh, guys don't do that in the NFL. Guys will do that in college, sit in their gaps, and you can just lean on guys. Uh, not the same thing in the NFL. This next guy kind of concerns me. Declaring early, Tristan Colin Castillo, six foot four, three hundred fifteen pound center out of Missouri, has played well in pass protection. You expect that from centers, though. You don't. If you're going to go in the NFL, you need to be good in pass protection, allowing ten or a few pressures per year. If you want to be in that upper echelon, the problem with me, for me, is he has not improved as a run blocker every each and every year. 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. 60s, had grades in the sixties as a run blocker in the center position. I'd say. You, run blocking matters more than almost in pass protection yeah. because you, the worst center in the NFL doesn't allow more than 25 pressures. You're just not getting a lot of one-on-ones. Exactly. You're yeah. not getting a ton of one-on-ones. You're helping and doing different things. But as a run blocker, there's so much opportunity running in between the tackles. It's one of the mm-hmm. most important blocks usually on those plays. I think you need. I want a great run blocker and an okay pass protector at center if I had to choose. I think Jason Kelsey has shown that. He's a great pass protector now. He's kind of developed into mm-hmm. that. But Kelsey has always been yeah, a elect. very good yeah. run blocker, and that's important. Yeah. Uh, with him... Uh, you know, we're surprised. Obviously, he declared. He just he doesn't have. Well, he's not one. He's not athletic, and that's not a huge deal at the center position. But then he doesn't have great balance either. Uh, like he's on his face a lot, which that to me matters a lot in the interior of the offense line because it's gonna you're gonna play through trash. Like you're gonna get tripped up. Uh, you're gonna things aren't gonna be perfect. Uh, can you stay on your feet and not let you know just fall flat in your face and let a guy uh, off you to make the tackle? Can you like you know when you lose? Can you lose uh, ugly sort of thing? Uh, and he just. He had too I many. got a new idea for a PFF advanced stat. Plays Ugly on the ground. <laughs> how often are you on that the is, ground? There, I, mean, I don't I mean, think that's line that coaches crazy. will track that sort of stuff. Like, how often have they fallen on your face? Like, you watch Tyron Maybe Smith not, play? Yeah, you, you want to know. Smith's never on the ground. Exactly. That you, dude, and I think that's important. You, know, yeah. you want to look at, you know, how often are you just laying on the turf? Not on another player, but on the ground. How yeah, often are you be, on the ground? Because you can't block anyone on the ground. Exactly. Usually. <laughs> Which is fair. But, uh, yeah, so that is definitely a thing. Uh, grounded that, per play or no ground you know, something along those lines i'm interested yeah. play, ground play percentage I'll, I'll work on it i'll workshop the, the name and we'll talk with ben stock we'll see what we can yeah. do we'll see what we can do um that's going to do it for the underclassmen we want to get over some interesting names katie nixon no longer an underclassman we're breaking that live on the two for one drafts podcast but some interesting names some ones we'd probably recommend to make a similar decision to katie nixon and maybe head back but there's some <laughs> other guys in this class too that i think will be highly drafted players mm-hmm. andrew thomas probably one of the bigger ones a top 10 pick for sure with that athleticism that size combination before we dive into the 12 most disappointing you know uh, rookie process you know rookies in the nfl guys that have fallen below expectation we got to dive into our sponsors here we're looking fantastic on the live youtube channel because we're wearing proper cloth a, cur- a new sponsor here for pff i do love the stripes i'm a big stripes guy renner knows it i'm a diehard stripes, stripes guy you call me stripes on the side of things here <laughs> great fit i got a little monogram monogram on there a little ag on the cuff proper cloth very impressive love what they've gone here gone for us yeah, you look actually uh, presentable. Wow. 
I knew it had to get negative. <laughs> I knew it had to get negative. It couldn't just be like, yeah, I mean, I'm really impressed with you. I, I just I'm said you looked presentable. Is that not a good? We're, we're friends, and like I would love to hang out after this. So you never say any of that stuff. It's always like, yeah, I we guess you look okay. We're hanging out after this. But um, with, with proper cloth in mind, it's something very easy to use online. It, it's uh, You get your fo- fit, style, all that stuff very quickly. I hate shopping. It does a great job of doing that. I can find my stripes online now. Find your stripes online. Go to propercloth.com slash PFF today. And if you enter promo code PFF20, you can save $20 on any uh, your first shirt, which is very exciting. also have another read here to dive into, Western Southern. And if you didn't notice on the podcast background here, Western Southern, our friends there, it doesn't matter if it's football or financial wellness. The right questions will always give you the best chance to win. Western Southern has partnered with us at PFF to give you a chance for an up-close and personal look at the X's and O's that lead to both financial and football success. Looking for insight on your financial future? Need an inside huddle tip? Head to westernsouthern.com, ask Chris to Western to ask Western Southern and PFF your most pressing questions. You could even win tickets to the big game. Exciting stuff from Western Southern. Exciting stuff from Proper Cloth. Big shout out to the sponsors. Now, let's get to some less exciting stuff. Some disappointing rookies in the NFL. Quinnen Williams of the New York Jets. Man, guy that was, you know, we loved coming out of Alabama. He graded so well for us. You know, one of the highest graded mm-hmm. interior defensive linemen in the PFF college era. That dates back to 2014. Number three overall pick with the New York Jets has really not fallen up flat on his face. He's battled injuries. There's some, you know, some uh-huh. qualifiers in his game, but definitely drastically, I would say even drastically, has fallen below expectations in our opinion. Yes, I, I mean. There's we, we expected him and Nick Bosa to be, you know, neck and neck rookie of the year. It has been not even close to neck and neck. It has been neck and foot. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> neck terrible. and foot. <laughs> but he only has 15 pressures all season long. Only 15. Uh, he's, like I said, has some injuries. The scheme there, like I, I, I don't think that Jets coaching staff is doing him any favors. He's mm-hmm. obviously playing run first. He's been all right in run defense, 73.5 grade. But I don't know. Like I, I wonder if – so he didn't play until this past year at Alabama. I, it's worth questioning if just like there's this comfort level that he doesn't feel in the scheme yet and maybe didn't feel at Alabama. He's also first, a very young player. His first I two years. get factored in too. And then all of a sudden, you know, once he did feel comfortable, uh, breaks out and plays well. Maybe there's something to that. Like he just needs a little settling in, still playing. Like we'll talk about with some other guys on this list. You just see them playing slower than they did a year ago. They just You see the processing speed on the football field. And that happens to rookies sometimes. Like it is a massive, massive change. You're going to a brand new scheme and a brand new – uh, level of play, I, I do think there is some of that. I'm not. We're not writing any of these guys off on this mm-hmm. most disappointing. It's just this has for a guy when it comes back to kind of what we talked about on Tuesday pod. You have expectations of where a guys at in their developmental curve. We thought Quinn Williams was already pretty high in that development mm-hmm. curve, or was already was pretty NFL ready for him to come in the NFL and not produce. That makes you question. It makes you just like go back to the drawing board. But I still think the talent is there. Uh, we'll see more, hopefully back 2020. We'll see. I think we'll see a big step forward. I think another list that we should do maybe for the Tuesday draft, uh, 2 for one Drafts podcast next week is maybe 12, 10, 12 most impressive, surprising rookies in the NFL. Guys oh, that we have definitely, played well, yes. well above expectation. Because that, that list won't necessarily mean these guys are good players, but guys that have already taken a significant leap as rookies. I think Terry McLaurin comes to mind, other guys as well. Let's go to the number two here on the 12 most disappointing rookies in the NFL. Cleveland Farrell, Furl of the Oakland Raiders. Oh. He's, he's played better down the stretch. I will say this. He had a 90 
80.8 overall grade mm-hmm. this past week against Jacksonville, largely inflated by a very good game against the run. It's starting to look like Cleveland Furl is a, a could potentially be a very good run defending edge defender in the NFL. Right now, a 66.9 PFF run defense grade, but just a 60.0 pass rush grade. That, in my opinion, and I think your opinion too, is not worth a top five pick <laughs> in the NFL draft. You want a that's pass pretty, rusher. That's correct, yeah. You need a guy that can attack the pass, you know, throw the football, catch the football, or defend the pass. And Cleveland Furl doing a good job defending the run, probably one of the more least valuable things as an NFL defender. Yeah, and so actually they came out and said why they drafted him over Josh Allen's because they they needed a six tech is what they said. They needed a guy who could set the edge as a base end on early downs. Uh, Even though Josh Allen and Cleveland Furl were almost the exact same height and weight coming out, uh, they thought one was could be a six tech more. Uh, so if you're if you're hunting a six tech and forcing, you talk about forcing six need is one of the easiest. Uh, it's gonna sound bad. But it's like one of the e- most replaceable. Like you can find big guys who are six five, two seventy five, who can stop the run mm-hmm. against a tight end. That's what a six technique is. is your head up over a tight end. Mm-hmm. You can find those guys. Yeah. If you can't, you know they had one in uh, Zanico Atria a few years, but like you have those guys, like yep. they exist and they don't cost too much in free agency. Don't need to use the top five pick on you, them. You, you, you need talk to use about forcing need can... in the draft. Like we need an edge defender. We need we need a guy that can play that position. Yeah. Forcing six tech, run defending six tech in the top five is like goes against everything we've ever you know even think about. Yeah. Draft good players. Do not force position. Let alone do not force technique. Do not force like specific technique at that. Yeah. Especially with a top five pick. Yeah, and Farrell right now, Farrell, excuse me, Jesus, uh, has the fifth worst uh, win win percentage of any edge defender in the NFL with at least 200 pass rushing snaps. That's so, unfortunate. Yeah, it's just, and, and again, he was a guy who senior last year should looked NFL ready from a hands perspective. Or he took on blocks really well. There wasn't much, you know, upside in quotation marks mm-hmm. uh, there for him in that regard. Not a plus athlete by any means. Uh, didn't even end up running a 40 in his pre-draft because, to be honest, I don't think it was going to be good. Uh, and he had a foot injury, again, in quotation marks because that popped up a day before his pro day. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's just just disappointing. That mm-hmm. He's a top 12 disappointing pick. Let's go to Christian Wilkins, Miami Dolphins pick. He went 13th overall in the 2019 NFL draft. He's the guy that you did not like as much as Dexter Lawrence, and he has not played well so far, and he's played a significant snap. Six foot four, 315-pound guy. He's playing 632 defensive snaps so far this year, just a 62.6 overall grade for him. But for all, I will say this, he's got more pressures than Cleveland Furl. <laughs> so that, that's an interesting play but, there. But so... This brings up two conversations. One is he's already 23 years old. And it was another one of the developmental curve. He should have been hitting the ground running. This is kind of who you're going to get, I think, at this point. If you're already 23 years old, and one, he's not grading out well in run defense, uh, 63.4 grade there. Two, he's not doing much as a pass rusher either, 60.4 grade there. So uh, he's a guy who should have been hitting the ground running is at the age where he should be and is not doing that. That's concerning, one. And two is the fact that Miami Dolphins, I think this draft needs to be more swinging for home runs. Like Christian Wilkins was never a home run pick mm-hmm. at 13th overall. They were that was hitting a single uh, at number 13. If he does turn out good, like they need to go a little, you know, in this rebuild. That's not. I'm not sure they had decided, you know, to tank and rebuild at that point uh, in the last April. But this year, they need they can't be drafting guys like that. You can't be drafting if a Christian guard. They, they can't be drafting a guard. If they draft Tyler Biotish in the first round, I'll be pissed. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. in the Shoot for the stars. Exactly. If Christian Wilkins is a is a single at that pick, where was Clint Furl? Is that a sack fly? Is that like a bunt? That was a bunt. Yeah, That's that a was bunt. a sack bunt. They, <laughs> they just moved the runner over. There you go. Not even a sack fly trying for something big. Yeah. It's a, a sack bunt. Very interesting. Uh, 
Um, Montez Sweat, another guy that's disappointing. He's the guy that blew up the Senior Bowl and then literally ignited the combine on fire with mm-hmm. what he was able to do there. Tested very well at six foot six, two hundred sixty pounds, ran a very fast forty time. Got people very excited. The tape though was not great for him. Yeah. He's a guy that won one way and one way only against bad offensive tackles mm-hmm. in the SEC. That's the first thing that came away when you watch Montez Sweat. He's a guy that can win up field, maybe be a good run defender in the NFL. But and and that's what he's become so far. Disappointing in regard to where he was drafted, 26 overall in the class. Yeah, also 23 years old here now, a young rookie, or excuse me, an old rookie, and it's not been good. He has a lower pass rushing grade than Wilkins, 56.9. He just looks lost. He doesn't have a plan of attack as a pass rusher. And that's kind of the guy we saw at uh, you know Mississippi State. He just was extremely explosive. Had reps where you know he could just toss a guy. But it was like he didn't know how he did that. You know, he couldn't replicate that the next time. It was just almost pure luck, it seemed like, at times for, with him. But, yeah, he, he has just not had – just looks like I said, he looks lost out there and has not had an impact whatsoever for Washington's defense. Really unfortunate name on this next one here. Jerry He's Tillery awful. of Notre Jerry Dame, a guy that I know you liked a lot. He graded well at the collegiate level. He had some reps at Notre Dame that were so impressive. He could win quickly mm-hmm. as a pass rusher. That was your, When you start to win quickly as a pass rusher, and that's reflected on tape and in your grades, it's hard not to get excited about him. But so far in the NFL, this guy has been just not great, really disappointing year for him. Yeah, so he he's a guy who I would highlight as – this game is way too fast for him right now. Mm-hmm. Like he is just thinking way too much because he it just it'll take him like a second and a half to like do the move that he wants to do. Like he'll engage and then have his eyes in the backfield and then do a move and then, and then like as if it worked, he'll almost be like, oh shit, that worked. Yeah. It's just like he's not he's not playing the same guy we saw at Notre Dame last year, uh, which is concerning. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not good. If it it's one of those guys where next year will be huge to see how he looks out the gate because it better be different. Oh, yeah. It better be a big difference or else it's not going to happen with him. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the scary thing because he's been just utterly so bad. 33.4 overall grade uh, on 315 snaps. Very, like very disappointing start. They've chopped down his playing time a little bit in recent weeks because it's just not been good. LJ Collier, the first-round pick for the Seattle Seahawks, the edge defender that on tape from TCU could bull rush anybody, one of the better bull rushers in the class, if not the best bull rushing edge defender in the class. He, he put some tackles on their backs. Mm-hmm. But I, I, and similar to Montez Sweat, in my opinion, he's a guy that won one way. I mean, he's a guy that had just like one yes. card. And even when you talk, I talked to him at the combine, I said, hey, man, you have this bull rush. It's awesome. You need a counter. And he said, all I need is one. <laughs> and he still doesn't really have that right now. And he said, you need, you, need a, you need a royal flush, you know, moves here you need need several things that you can do and right now hasn't played a lot only 150 total defensive snaps 79 pass rush snaps but it hasn't looked great out of the gate hey he got his first pressure this past weekend stop uh (laughs) no it was a real one uh but 37 snaps this past week was a career high uh he's just yeah he looks like I, i thought he was a guy who probably should like trim down a little bit and play edge but he looks like he's like bulked up is now more of an interior guy like i don't know what he, he's at, that list at 291 now which i didn't think that was the way he should go he's also old he's 24 as well dude i was gonna say you want to bring up age he's 24 <laughs> years old that he's was not a concern coming now. out it's tough and it was it was one of those things where it happens every year where it's like oh i was kind of a fan of his and he ended up like 50 something on our board and then he gets drafted 20 and i'm like Ooh, i'm not that big of a fan <laughs> like uh, let's, let's well, i don't love the, the brakes <laughs> yeah like and it's one of those where every year people are like the 
you know, you're going to work for an NFL team. NFL teams know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then guy gets drafted that high, and everyone is, like, questioning it. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's like, whoa. Like the Colton Miller like, pick. And, like, Rashad Penny. The like the, exactly. It's like, well, whoa, San Diego you State, you can't, you can't hate on San Diego State players. Well, why are you doing that? Podcast. And then... Oh, maybe they don't know more than us. There you go. Uh, let's go to DeAndre Baker. Know. He's a guy that had really struggled early in the year, and I think that's dragging down his grade still. But his flash from game, you know, week 12, an 85.0 coverage grade. Week 14, an 89.7 coverage grade. He's yeah. finally getting his hands on the ball. I, I like that. I think I'm starting to see the light switch flip. Yeah. You know what the light switch is? Oh, I can't hit the player <laughs> 10 yards down the <laughs> it football is field. It was a big adjustment for him. Uh, but I do think it's still with <laughs> how one, badly he week got Week one, torched. he goes against Amari Cooper and finds out quickly you can't hit him 10 yeah. yards down the field. Oh, my gosh, he just torched me. Oops. Yeah. Oops, I just found I got torched. Like at, at, In the SEC, at the college level, mm-hmm. you get, you go against guys that are faster than you. He went against some fast guys. Emmanuel Hall is one of them that comes to mind. He won a lot of those reps because yeah. he it's can scaling. make contact down the football field. You yeah. go against Amari Cooper, you can't. And also, he's saucing you with the routes and stuff like that. Yeah, so just the – the manner in which he got torched for a handful of games is concerning. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was such a big transition for him, it is encouraging though, that it's tr- It's, you see a definite mm-hmm. developmental. He's gotten better over the course of the season. The he's NFL is not going to be games. easy so, for him to be good at. I yeah. mean, it's gonna, a, lot, a lot of it's going to depend on scheme, tape study. He's going to have to win in other mm-hmm. ways because you're just not fast enough, bro. Yeah. You're not fast enough to stick with some of the better receivers in the NFL toe-to-toe. But however, you can win, still win in the NFL with the skills you do have, but you have to pay a little bit closer attention to film study and things like mm-hmm. that so you can jump routes and have this anticipation. Yeah. Again, not writing these guys off, but it's been a disappointment. Six foot two, two hundred twenty-eight pound, Nikhil Harry, New England Patriots. A guy that so there were so many people before the draft that loved Nikhil Harry. Like the people were legit. They, asking, he was the dominator rating. Yes, he guy. was the fantasy guy, right? Yeah. Well, because he was he's young, mm-hmm. and he produced at producing at a young age is the fantasy like slant that. Mm-hmm. And, and I do think it matters if you're if you're dominating at 18 years old. There's probably some reason, you know, if you're getting featured in that offense, it's because you probably look at better in practice than the other guys, yeah. and you know, you're getting There's those a lot of targets. factors that contribute to that. Yes, but another factor too is how you're used. And another factor is just like talent. Yeah, exactly. Like talent on the rest of the team in mm-hmm. terms of how you're used. Again, no one else there to you know, command sort of screens. They pumped him with screens and, you, and yeah. underneath stuff, and he was great after you're, the catch in the Pac-12. I agree. Mm-hmm. But the problem was, you compare him to a player like Jalen Rear. Doesn't have the production. Anywhere near the production that Nikhil Harry had coming out. However, where Jalen Rieger wins is more valuable in the NFL. Yeah. Where Nikhil Harry won is where I can, I can pick up a lot of receivers and, and get the, the similar production on those types of guys if you, if you put Jalen Rieger in Texas and gave him Devin DuVernay's role, he would have He'd, he'd be like a top 10 pick because you know, he <laughs> yeah. Duvernay just got pumped with targets in the slot. Like he would look awesome in a role like mm-hmm. that, but you stick him outside uh, and, and don't throw him a, a goddamn screen. Like he's not going to look as good. Mm-hmm. Nikhil Harry. Uh, I, I think we're seeing just sort of the limitations that he had, that he had on tape, even back as Arizona state. Uh, and he, he is good in the contested situations. He had some nice back shoulder catches from Tom Brady, but you can't just make a living off that once you get to the NFL. I think you're seeing that. So we'll see. I mean, again, he's still young. He just turned 22. So uh, there, there is still, you know, he is still 6'2", 228. still a monster and still is good after the catch. But we'll just see uh, if, you know, next year is probably a bigger year for him if he can sort of remake his game. 
You put this guy on the list, and I'm a little upset about it. I know his grades have been terrible. He's got a 46.8 coverage grade, a 46.8 overall grade. Byron Murphy. Trust the, the grades. The rookie out of Washington coming out of uh, – I, I trust the grades. He's played yeah. bad this year. I'm, not, I'm no. not saying that, but he's a, he's played a different level of bad than what DeAndre Baker has. He still has six passes defense on the year, has an interception, and he's 21 years old, playing in the NFL, and he's been targeted 91 times this year. Mm-hmm. It's hard as a rookie to play well out of the gate when you're getting targeted that much. And he's going against good receivers, he, too. Yeah, he was for a good portion of the year. He was like their number one corner because exactly. Patrick Peterson was out. So I, I, I'm not giving him a full pass. There was some nice stuff on his tape. Uh, I, I do think maybe he's just a slot guy though in the NFL. Really, that maybe quickly? You loved him coming out. I do love him coming out, but it's like this. You've is seen not this good. in the NFL, and, and it's, it's just not good. And it's, he, he just does look small out there, and really? he is small, but he looks just limit. I just worry about. He was our number one corner coming line. into the draft. He right? was our number one corner, and it was we liked him in zone coverage. Uh, has not been excellent in that so far this year, but uh, we'll see. I mean, he's had a lot of missed tackles. I'm, 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 I, he is disappointed. He's on this yeah. list for a reason. I'm withholding 13 judgment, missed though. tackles. This is a guy that I think turns it around. On 79 attempts. This is but a guy yeah, that yeah. I think turns it around. I, I mean, again, 20, he's super young. Mm-hmm. And he only had, what's a redshirt sophomore coming out, only had a, a year and a half, basically, of young, playing. undersized, so, yeah. and targeted a shitload this year. Yeah. I think this is a guy that, give him a full offseason to learn and, and understand the speed of the NFL and uh-huh. get better, and potentially not get targeted as much as he is, we, I think he'd get better. We should we should bold these names and revisit this like six weeks in I love next it. year. That sounds great. We should definitely. And do Byron that. Murphy's the best cornerback in the NFL, and you're like, oh yeah, I loved him coming out. You know what? You know you you I bailed on him. You bailed on <laughs> Byron Murphy. Uh, talk about a guy we need to bail on. JJ Ortega Whiteside. Come on, Philadelphia Eagles wide receiver. We liked him, but I mean, we watched the tape of the combine next to each other in the hotel lobby. You started to hold my hand. I wasn't really sure if we should do that, but it's fine. It's fine. He doesn't even get thrown to though. Mm-hmm. Like Wentz is. I don't know. I'm gonna make all excuses in the world. Yeah, don't, don't like start first. Start with like what he's played bad. He's been he's legit played bad. Struggled yeah. to create separation a little bit here. He's and there. had like three, like nice contested opportunities that would have been big plays. The the fourth down, uh, the deep post earlier in the year that would have won them the game uh, that he didn't haul in. I think it was actually went down as a drop in that one, the Detroit game. Uh, not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he could have made he could definitely have made more plays. Yeah. But he's also like he's had routes where he's you know he's won he's done his job on the outside one uh, on what's a go route and you just have to give him a chance. And I think you made really a great point. You made a great point. I think on a previous podcast we talked about him and said a lot of his game was built on confidence with the quarterback, yes. confidence within the offense. And yeah, I mean, you think about all those touchdowns. Had. Exactly. It, he boxes out dudes. He literally said so the touchdowns that you watch at Stanford. He literally yeah. said that there were portions of practice where they'd have six plus defensive backs tackling him in the end zone and the quarterback would just throw. It up. Yeah. It, he was such a big part of that offense that the, there was so much confidence in him to bring down these passes. I'll say this right now: in the Philadelphia Eagles, he has not been the focal point. He has not yeah. been that level of guy. No. Oh, God, no. Like he's gotten what seventeen targets all season long, and he's been starting for the last like six weeks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Tristan Hill, another guy that has not played very well. Let's go to the Dallas Dude, Cowboys defense one. interior. Cowboys um, fans have to hate this. Man. Are there any qualifiers here? Is he just really playing bad? So one, he wasn't that great at UCF. Mm-hmm. Was one of the qualifiers. He was just he was very athletic. And there was the off-field stuff too. And it, yeah, and there was like the coaches' staff didn't like him. Uh, and now he has not been great. Only played 107 snaps, but only three pressures on those snaps. And it's one of those things where it's like they needed safety help. Juan Thornhill went a handful of picks later and looks like a stud. Mm-hmm. Like dude, I love it's Juan not, Thornhill. I think uh, he's fantastic. Uh, yeah, and this one's just a tough. It's a tough pill to swallow because. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't you, you know, hate you, that you though. May, I think he might, this, that's a common thing. The light switch for, might flip on, but it's again, it's like 
people always are like, oh, you know, this NFL team is smarter than us. This was a crazy pick. Like, they didn't mm-hmm. really need defensive tackle help. Are we not past not that? Really are we not past that, like, these NFL teams? You know, I, I, think, <laughs> I think fans have to be past yeah. that. They, to every team, I would say every team, every single year, makes a pick where they probably should have picked the guy that was picked within the next five picks after. Mm-hmm. I, I think every team probably has that. I think yeah. there's so many times where, no, you probably should have picked this next guy. No, you should. I mean, everyone could say that about Terry McLaurin this year. Everyone could say that about a lot of different yeah. guys. I, I really do think... Craft shoot comes to mind. Lottery comes to mind. The NFL draft is very difficult because there's so many factors in what makes a player good and what makes a player bad. It's obviously it's the production, grading profile, how he plays in you know in certain mm-hmm. situations. There's off field, how with a motor, all these different things. Coaching, it, there's just too much, man. I, Our jobs are pointless. <laughs> I like to qualify because I said it wasn't even a need. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean that in a bad way. Usually, you know, draft for need is not a great strategy, but it wasn't a need. But it felt like a, a reach for a need. Is mm-hmm. why is why I was like wasn't even a need because it felt like a massive reach at a position usually that's like a billy price where it's like oh we need a center we're going to draft this center they didn't need a defense tackle and it felt like they reached at least a round and a half early mm-hmm. on this guy that's why i said that all right last guy on the list here paris campbell guy that we did not like above terry mclaren for this for a good reason the guy that was involved a lot underneath you know, a lot of gimmicky stuff not the same yeah. level as Nikhil harry but a similar in that a lot of his production was based mm-hmm. on scheme a lot of it was you've called it fake production for justin jefferson foduction fo- foduction i like that a lot foduction oh. is very good foduction but because of how he's used his production was inflated i think mm-hmm. people got excited about him as a player i think cole swat took him in the second round he has not delivered on a team that needs receiver help yeah they, they need a guy to step up and he really hasn't I, I see, I didn't even think he was that dynamic in terms of... So, he was dynamic after the catch in the way that, like, no offense dynamic after the catch. Like, if he's running in a straight line, it's going to be tough for you to go corral him and bring Mm -hmm. him down. Yes. But if he has to make you miss... Like, he had 91 catches last year and only broke 15 tackles. And those 91 catches were pretty much all with a good opportunity to break a tackle after the catch. You look at like someone like CeeDee Lamb this year has 28 on some like 50 catches. On a huge average catching, of target, yeah. And he's, yeah, and he's catching them down the football field. Like he was not. A I mean, he, another stat that PFF needs to get is forced missed tackles above yeah. expectation. Uh, forced missed tackles are d- probably directly yeah. correlated to how, you know, wh- where your touches are involved near the line of scrimmage. Yeah. We talked about Lynn Bowden. 11 missed tackles on 30 catches in a very similar that's yeah. he was getting the ball in a similar way to where Par- to the way Paris Campbell was and doing a lot more with it after the catch so that's kind of Lynn Bowden can't even hold Paris Campbell's jock he had 12 force missed tackles at QB in a game like dude, Lynn Bowden is a whole nother player in yeah. my opinion I, oh, I really do you think... said it the wrong way but yes oh yeah. okay yeah. yeah I think Lynn Bowden is uh, an impressive player yeah. I, I think Paris Campbell not in the same regard so yeah and again I did say that the very similar way. to J.J. Arcega Whiteside or Thago Whiteside where they need receivers and mm-hmm. he's just I mean he's not been very disappointing stuff a big list of disappointing guys including my disappointing use of an analogy um, or phrase I guess is what it would be but that's going to do for the two for one drafts podcast a lot of fun there uh big shout out to our sponsors again proper cloth and western and southern this has been fun we're not going to have a thursday podcast because of next or week. next week because of christmas but we will be here tuesday remember you can find us on apple Podcasts, spotify and sit austin gale mike renner two for one drafts